This afternoon, we're going to get into a little math. We're going to do some research. We've done the research. I'm going to share the research. And that research is going to show that Jonathan Taylor needs to be used less and for fewer yards. There's no question about this. The people who have done what Jonathan Taylor did last year, they don't succeed. Not in the long run, not in the short run, but one instance. One, one lone exception to the rule. We're going to talk about quarterback play and how important that is as well. And over the last 10 Super Bowl championship quarterbacks, there's been one great anomaly. And you won't guess who it is, Colts fans. You won't be able to. Uh, we're also going to talk about the Indiana Pacers reportedly in the process right now of acquiring DeAndre Ayton, either through giving him a qualifying offer, which the Pacers don't normally do because Herb Simon doesn't like to play that way with other owners, or by executing a sign-and-trade. But it looks likely that DeAndre Ayton is going to be an Indiana Pacer. What does that mean for the Pacers? I'm going to tell you. It's what we do here. This is Inside Indiana Sports Now with Ken Sterling for Monday. It's July 11th. It's 7-Eleven Day, baby. So if you're in the Chicagoland area, stop by your local 7-Eleven and get you a free smoothie. Free slushy. How about that? Nice. Used to do that all the time when I lived in Chicago. Go up to Toothless Maureen's at the corner of Racine and Belmont and say, Maureen, give me a slushy. She'd give you a slushy. There you go. Uh, we're brought to you by the great people at Johnson's Plumbing. If you've got a plumbing problem, they will find a plumbing solution. They will execute it, and your life is going to be better and, frankly, cleaner for it. You don't want messy plumbing. And, and Jared Johnson is all about negating all causes and fixing all causes of uh, messy plumbing. Give him a call, 765-610-8809. And make sure and smash that subscribe button, hit the like button, hit the thanks button, too. We enjoy the thankses. Oh, yes, we do. We got some thanks this morning, and it was very, very nice. All right, let's talk about sports. Let's talk about Jonathan Taylor. Ran last year. He had 372 touches. 332 of them were rushes, right? 40 receptions. And 1,811 yards rushing, 20 touchdowns. All right, what's important here is rushing yards. There have been 10 guys... Ten guys since the turn of the century who have rushed for more than 1,800 yards. We're going to go through them, and I'm going to tell you exactly what they did. And minus one of them, they were not successful. And none of them, minus this one, played in a single Super Bowl. You cannot run, you cannot be as run heavy as these teams were and succeed. Minus the 2005 Seattle Seahawks. I think you can guess who the running back for that team was. If you were playing fantasy football back in 2005, you knew who to draft number one. Uh, the, the, over this period of time, the guy who amassed the most rushing yards in a season was Adrian Peterson for the Minnesota Vikings in 2012. He ran for 2,097 yards. That team, the Vikings team, went 10-6. and six. They lost in the first round of the playoffs. Never again over 1,500 yards for Adrian Peterson, and never played in a Super Bowl. Second, uh, and that's second all-time in terms of yards in a season. Third all-time in terms of yards in a season, 2003, Jamal Lewis. We remember him, right? 2,066 yards 
never again went over 1,400 yards, was 10-6 and six that year, never went to a Super Bowl, and in that season, lost in the first round of the playoffs, just like Adrian Peterson did in 2012. Lost in the first round. You're going to find this. We're going to recap this, but I'll recap part of it right now to give you some context. Of these 10 running backs who ran for more yards than Jonathan Taylor in a season since 2000, uh, seven either didn't go to the playoffs or lost in the first round of the playoffs. 70% of these guys didn't win a playoff game the year that they were at their absolute best, at, at their absolute zenith. Uh, Derrick Henry in 2020, he's still rolling. He might do some business. Uh, 2,027 yards and in, in 397 touches. There you're getting to the danger zone, right? Uh, 397 touches. 11-5 and five that season. No Super Bowl. Lost in the first round. Another one. That's three for three. And played in eight games last year, the year that followed his big year with 2027 in terms of rushing yards. Prior to that, in 2009, Chris Johnson of the Titans, 2006 yards. They went 8-8. Eight and eight. They didn't go to the playoffs. He never played in the Super Bowl, never ran for as many as 1,400 yards again in his career. 2003, Amon Green of the Packers, 1,885 yards or 1,883. 10-6, uh, lost in the divisional rounds. That means they went 1-1 one one in the playoffs. That's pretty good. Uh, never again, as many as 1,200 yards, never a Super Bowl. 2005, here's the anomaly. Sean Alexander went to the Super Bowl, lost. His Seahawks team that year went 13-3. and He ran for 1,880 yards. Uh, never another playoff win for Sean Alexander, and never to 1,000 yards again. 2005, Tiki Barber, same season, 1,860 yards for the Giants. They went 11 and 5. They lost in the first round, 23 to nothing. One more season he played, had a really good year, over 1,600 yards. Uh, but they went 8 and 8 and lost in the wild card round. Then, eighth, Ricky Williams in 2002 for the Miami Dolphins, 1,853 yards. 9 and 7, no playoffs, never a Super Bowl, never again to 1,400 yards. And then, number nine, DeMarco Murray in 2014. For the Cowboys, 1,845 yards, 12-4. and four. They lost in the divisional round, never to a Super Bowl, never to 1,300 yards again. And finally, LaDainian Tomlinson in 2006, 1,815 yards for the Chargers, lost in the wild card round, never went to a Super Bowl, never 1,500 yards again. So, 10 of these seasons that were better than Jonathan Taylor last year. One Super Bowl was played by these running backs in their careers, a loss, 0-1 in the Super Bowl. Uh, and seven of those running backs in the seasons of their greatest accomplishment, uh, seven of them, no playoffs or no playoff wins. That tells you something. And, and what it tells you is that excellence at the running back position is not, it does not foretell a great accomplishment in terms of the team. 10% of these guys who had a historic season at running back, 10% went to a Super Bowl and none of these guys ever won one. 
and none of the other nine ever went to one. That tells you something. This is a quarterback-driven league. And if you are not efficient throwing the football and then kind of spreading the sugar with some runs, you are not going to win. Jonathan Taylor carrying the ball 332 times, history will tell you that he's not going to get above 1,800 again. you got to go back to like O.J. Simpson and Eric Dickerson and those guys to get multiple 1,800-yard seasons during the same year. Now, we got an extra game, but that's not really part and parcel to this conversation. You've got to be able to throw. That's why if you could run the ball and win a championship, Carson Wentz would still be the quarterback of this team. Because anybody can hand the ball off 30 times to Jonathan Taylor and then get the hell out of the way and let him rumble, right? And then sprint away. He rumbles, then sprints. That's why he's great. We love watching Jonathan Taylor. Last year, run the damn ball. No question. The only way that the Colts were going to win last year was by running the damn ball. Jonathan Taylor was the most dynamic and efficient and most consistent piece of the offensive puzzle for the Indianapolis Colts. You can't be that if you want to get to the playoffs, if you want to win in the playoffs, you can't do that. And so the Colts, they punted on Wentz, got a good haul for him from the Washington Commanders, thanks to the Commanders, and then they took one of the third round pieces that they got for Wentz and they shipped it to Atlanta to go get Matt Ryan, who is going to be efficient. He's going to make Jonathan Taylor better in, what, maybe 230 runs. That would be a nice number. You get between 15 and 20, but more toward 15 every game. Throw it to Naheem Hines. Throw it to Michael Pittman Jr. Hit your tight ends. The other two wide receivers, I don't know whether they're going to look for Pierce or look for Campbell or whether Campbell can stay on the field. I have no idea. It doesn't matter. You move the ball through the air at the level Phillip Rivers did, which was 7.7 yards per attempt in 2020, and all of a sudden, this offense opens up. And all of a sudden, instead of third and two, you got first down. Instead of fourth and two, you got a first down. That's the way you run this thing. And with Matt Pryor at left tackle, we're going to see how he works. But as Matt Ryan goes to where he's supposed to, it's going to be easier for all five of those guys on the offensive line to pass block. That's how you win. You want to know about quarterbacks? I'll tell you something about quarterbacks. All right, the last 10 Super Bowl winning quarterbacks have all been inside the top 12 in passer rating. You want a bellwether for success. Inside the top 12 in passer rating is a pretty damn good one. The only guy of the last 10 uh, Super Bowl champion quarterbacks who won inside the top 12 was Peyton Manning, baby, in 2015. That arm went limp, and but when it went limp, the Broncos figured out how to do other things. Manning was still relatively efficient, if not, you know, a guy who used everything he had every single game. He ranked 34th in passer rating in, in nine games played, 10 games played, nine games started. That's phenomenal. Good for Peyton. I love that he won had that last kind of parade, you know, that valedictory lap in the NFL, winning that Super Bowl for the Broncos. I thought it was cool. Defense won that Super Bowl. How good would the Colts have been 
from like 99 through 2010 if the Colts had had a consistent defense. I'll tell you, they wouldn't have, I don't think they would have been as good as they were, at least not in the regular season, because how many high draft picks were utilized to give Manning weapons? Because those draft picks never got wasted. Look at Bill Polian drafting in the first or second round when he drafted offensive guys. Manning made him look like a genius when he drafted defensive guys. Michael Doss, Idris Bashir, my God Almighty. The names, they roll off the tongue. Marlon Jackson wasn't bad. He wasn't terrible. Kevin Hayden, not bad. Bob Sanders, he was great when he was on the field. All right, let's talk about the, uh, about the Indiana Pacers because according to Brian Windhorst of ESPN, who we have figured out over the last eight to ten years or so on ESPN and with the Akron Beacon Journal or whatever the hell it is, he doesn't talk too much when he doesn't know the shot, right? He doesn't know the shot to open his mouth. And he said today that the Pacers, they have met with DeAndre Ayton, and they are ready to either make a qualifying offer to Ayton that the Suns could match. They could match it and then deal him. They could figure this out or execute a signing trade sometime this week where Ayton would come to the Pacers and parts would go back to the Suns, and we would assume Miles Turner would be a part of that package. Interesting times. DeAndre Ayton would be a significant jump forward. He's a real center. You don't park him in the corner and say, here, hit an occasional three miles, and then on defense, block an occasional shot. That's not DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton is a 17 and 10, 17 and 11 guy, where Miles Turner was a 13 and 7 guy. That is a step up. This is kind of interesting because you don't think of defense when you think of Ayton, but he was number six in defensive rating last year, and he was number 16 in offensive rating last year. This is a guy who is still 23, will not be 24 for, I think, another 12 days. This is a guy who can be a core post-component on a good basketball team that all of a sudden is in ascension. If you look at a potential starting lineup for the Pacers, you got who? Ayton, who's going to turn 24, Jalen Smith, who's 22, uh, Benedict Matherin at 20, Buddy Heald's 29, Tyrese Halliburton's 22, uh, Isaiah Jackson is 20, Chris Duarte, kind of an old man at 25 for a second-year guy, and T.J. McConnell at 30, although it, it bears mention that uh, Halliburton is actually five because he was born on Leap Day. He was born on February 29th, so he's only to this point celebrated five birthdays. But that's more a clerical issue. Uh, Goga Batadze will be 23. Goga Batadze is 22 years old. So let's not crap all over Goga Batadze as though he cannot play and cannot develop a game. I think he can. He's going to turn 23 later this month, nine days from now. Interesting time for the Pacers. Getting DeAndre Ayton is going to give them a foundational piece along with Halliburton and Matherin. You want three guys? You want triplets? Those guys aren't triplets. Not yet, but they could become triplets. Tomorrow morning, breakfast with Ken. I can't wait to talk to you then. You people, I love you. Have a great day. Enjoy yourselves. Get some rest if you're in Indianapolis because this weekend we got some great shows coming up, right? 
You got trained with Jewel and Blues Traveler on Wednesday. You got the Doobie Brothers with Michael McDonald on Thursday. On Friday, you've got a nice show with Cheap Trek, who are always great live, and Rod Stewart. And on Saturday, you got the Black Keys, baby. And I can't wait to see non-nostalgic music out at Deer Creek. I think it's going to be awesome. We'll talk to you tomorrow morning. Can't wait. Hit the thanks button. We always appreciate that.